But I just gotta know one thing. Are you ready? This is Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast, your first stop for everything professional wrestling. So sit back and enjoy wrestling talk at its finest with your hosts, Larry Hall and Joe Corrado. That was a uh, extended intro for everyone. We hope everyone enjoyed that while I fumble around trying to figure out what's going on. Welcome to yet another episode. Episode 101. 101 of the podcast. And each week we're trying to bring something different to the podcast because we can't just talk about ourselves and what's going on in the WWE world. We need to break we need to change things up. We need to Get things out there that are different. Try and have some different guests, whether it's a great gimmick, whether it's a, a flashy wrestler, whether it's possibly a ring announcer. Se- yeah. Segway? A little bit. Pretty this good. This week, we have on Mark Adam Haggerty, ring announcer extraordinaire. And must I say, or might I say, but I think I must say, one of the <laughs> finest mustaches in all of the land. So, I've completely just sidelined Larry for today. <laughs> I am here. He doesn't want to say a goddamn thing. I'm he's, letting you go. I'm he's just letting let, you roll with it. He's letting he's letting the king hold the reins. Yeah. So without further ado, we get to the interview. We hope you all enjoy, and we'll talk to you afterwards. All right. Um, here we are. We have this interview lined up for you, and today on our show. We have an announcer. Um, we know him from uh, Shakara in Northeast Philly and um, recently saw him in our sponsored event at PWE's uh, event as well down at the uh, Wrestle Factory. So, Joe? Ladies and gentlemen, we have Mark Adam Haggerty with you. <sighs> hey, guys. Um, I hate to correct you right off the bat, but oh, you're damn. saying Shakara wrong. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced. Shakira, according to that one gentleman who was at the PWE show. All right, so I did want to say it like that, to be honest, Mark, but it's more of an inside joke for the 80 people that were in attendance. So, I mean, I didn't want to lose it. There were more than 80 people there. No. Um, No, there weren't. He uh, he, he tripled, he like tripled down on that. He kept saying it. And I, I ended up saying something like, oh, thank you. Remember to subscribe to Shakira everybody. And you said that, and I didn't catch the first part, and I went to Larry. I'm like, why the hell is he calling it Shakira? <laughs> he just kept doing it. I, and the, the best part is he was like, oh, you know, I just love wrestling. I just, you know, I love Jack the Moon, and I just, I love, I love wrestling. I just, that wrestling is so healthy, and I love Shakira. And I was like, oh, all right. Maybe he just... Maybe that was just a hard left or something. He's not even talking about wrestling anymore. Well, did that happen to be one of the guys that was down in the white claws in the third row? No, that was me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, this was, uh, this was the gentleman from the tattoo shop. And I don't need to poke fun at him because he gave us money. And uh, and that's always appreciated. <laughs> you know what? You said that. Now that makes a lot more sense. It does, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I like the way this interview has started. I love fun stories, inside jokes, but I wanted to start the interview off, and I actually wanted, I was scrolling through your your Twitter this morning, this afternoon, and a little bit before the uh, interview, just to freshen up, and what kept drawing my eye was your pinned tweet, and the quote that you had from that after I watched it, and I want to read it for our listeners, for those that don't know. It states, wrestling has given me my life back in a major way. Why have I worked in wrestling? Because I have to. Because without it, I might not be here. And I want to start this off by focusing on that that second part, kind of, because without it, I might not be here. Where does that stem from? Um, so that was, and uh, yeah, that's 
from a video into my Twitter, at Mark A. Haggerty, check it out. And uh, that, that audio was taken from an interview I did uh, with this guy, Darnell, from the Queer uh, Wrestling Podcast or the Queer Nerd Podcast. I don't know exactly. I apologize, Darnell. He's a friend of mine, too. I shouldn't, shouldn't treat my friends like this. <laughs> um, but um, we were just talking, you know, the long and the short of it is, before I got into wrestling, I was working in a bunch of different different jobs, uh, and uh, a lot of people know I was featured in High Times Magazine as the voice of independent wrestling because I used to grow weed for a living, and um, after that, I worked in politics. I was press secretary for different politicians, and I just kind of came to a, a point in my life where... I was doing all these things. I was, you know, I went to college and it's like I want to go work for some noteworthy politicians. I did it, done it. Um, you know, it would be cool to grow weed. I like weed, and you know, did it, done it. You know, like everything. And I was just kind of feeling like this, um, this sense of like emptiness and, and loneliness. And um, I ended up working in wrestling, and you know, wrestling wasn't exactly the thing that filled that that void. But um, I don't know if you guys are privy to this because we're all new friends. Um, but uh, I came out of the closet last year, and the only reason I did is because of wrestling. Because up until then, I was this quiet, sheltered, like uh, no confidence having dude that was just living a you know, for lack of a better term, like nine to five regular life. But wrestling and being, you know, the focal point and, you know, being under the spotlight and having all these friends, these friends that are, like, you know, noteworthy names and, like, signed these major companies and they, they care about me and they they treat me with respect. It all, all of that gave me confidence and I was able to come out of the closet. And, you know, I am me today, which is really important. I'm, you know... Uh, the guy from High Times Magazine, not afraid of like talking about weed in the open. I'm openly gay, not afraid to say that I'm about to celebrate a year with my boyfriend. I am living my dreams because I always want. I've never, I never wanted to be a wrestler. I always wanted to be a wrestling ring announcer, and I'm doing that. So like, without without wrestling, like I wouldn't have any of this life that I'm living, wrestling or not. And if I didn't have any of this, I'd still be in like a dead end. Who knows where I am? And I don't think I, in, in that time period, before I got into all this, I don't know how strong I would have been to get through it, quite frankly, not to sound morbid. Um, so yeah, this all saved my life in a, in, a, in a variety of different ways. Now, would you say that because of wrestling and you get to be this, this character, like all different wrestlers and whatnot, you could be a different persona that helps you actually develop who you really are? Because we've heard before that, who you are, it's just turned up to 11. Is that, would you say that that's part of what helped you turn from this shy guy to who you are today? Yeah, I, I, 100%. I couldn't have put it like better myself, honestly. Uh, I, I don't know if I've even ever made that connection. It's kind of like when I got into wrestling, you know, I was encouraged. Uh, you know, to be over the top, to be loud, to be like, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? And, you know, that is so, it, it's, it's not me, but it's closer to me than I was being. Um, and, uh, you know, I always think it, it's so crazy. Like, I'll, I'll be out in the world and I'll be wearing, like, do bad pants and family packs and I'll be like, who are you? <laughs> Where, first off, First off, this is impossible. Like, stop being that guy, Mark, first of all. Don't be that guy. But second of all, like, it, it, it's like, I would have like, I would have never in my in my wildest dreams. And now it's just this, like, this air of confidence where, like, yeah, you're putting on almost a character because of wrestling, but you're, it, it, it's so crazy. Like, it's hard to verbalize. It's like, there, there's aspects of my personality and my life and, and who I am that I've always maybe been afraid to um, personify and to put out into the world. But wrestling, it's like, it's like when you say like something to someone where you're like, uh, you, you say something and then you're like, haha, just kidding, but only if you're, if you're not serious kind of thing. Where it's like, I, I can 
I can put these things out there, and if if people don't take them well, I can be like, oh, well, I was just doing a character thing. Um, but but when people receive who I am more positively, more and more, it yeah, I can be myself, and uh, and yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, wrestling kind of gives you like that restart button every time you go out there you can always tweak and change your personality which in real life you don't really get to do so i think that's where that confidence probably comes from part of it at least now uh i wanted to uh kind of stay on the same topic but when uh after we did our little spiel in the ring you had mentioned something about how you used to be a podcaster and how from podcasting, you kind of made your way into the wrestling world. I wanted I wanted to kind of get that story from you. Yeah, and I think it's important to to get that story out there because, like, you know, the, the way I look at it is, like, when I got into podcasting, I, I got into it because I wanted to be involved in wrestling. I feel like that's, that's the way we all are, you know, whether we want to admit it or not. You know, you want to be a part of it to a certain degree. Um whether it be just, you know, talking about it, whatever, or uh, to play it into something else. But for me, you know, I was doing some podcasting, and uh, I was writing for a couple of different, like, their chiefs at the time, and I was invited, like, like you know, the same, the same kind of situation like you guys were at Joe. Um, I was invited to an event, uh, you know, coverage, how to set up a table, whatever, I remember they were telling me, they were like, you can set up a table and, like, sell your shirts or whatever. And I was like, I don't have shirts, what? <laughs> and then I got there, and then there were, like, three or four other podcasters, and they all have, like, shirts and buttons and stuff. And I was like, oh, shit, goddamn. Like, and then you guys would do it. And I'm like, oh, fuck, like, everyone is, like, on this. Thank God I'm not podcasting anymore. Like, I would be, like, so bonded on that. Um, but I remember getting there, and... Um, being very shy because I was still very shy at the time and like I remember kind of getting there and being told like hey anyone you want to interview you can interview you know it's all like you know uh, whatever just let us know and I remember kind of hanging back just like and it's so weird to like admit this out loud but it's like I was kind of hanging back almost like well you know what if they don't come to me they don't come to me and I don't interview anything like I'm hanging out back that's that's pretty cool in itself and I remember New Jack came over to me and was like, yo, you the motherfucker. Oh, sorry, I don't know if I can You're good. Sorry. Nope. Good, keep going. Carry keep on. Keep going. Sorry. He's you're like, good. No, you're the motherfucker that was supposed to interview me, right? And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, all right, follow me. And I just followed him like over to the bar and started like ballroom. And I just sat next to him and he goes, what you want to know? And I just like interviewed him like a bunch of stuff. And, um, and this. He kind of broke me in to the point where I was like, well, I can get me that interview with New Jack. I get beautiful. I'm fine. <laughs> so um, I kind of, uh, I, I interviewed a whole bunch of different guys, and I made a habit of I went to get you two, three different shows. And I went with the same kind of, like, respectful, like, I didn't, I didn't want to step on any goes. It's like, hey, whoever wants to be interviewed, you know, cool, let's do it. If not, no worries, whatever. I'm here to help with whatever I can. And... I ended up going to a show, different promotion, with the same group of guys, basically. And I was there, and one of the commentators, I believe, was not. And they needed someone to fill in. And they were like, hey, you do a podcast. That's talking. Like, that's basically their rationale. They were like, that's talking. We need someone to do that. Like, so you want to talk over here, but about what's in that ring over there? And I, dude, I was like, yes, talk. Yeah, and it was such a shindy. Like, I'll say that right now. I hate the guy that the place now. I don't care. He's a huge, he almost went to jail. So, like, ah, I was like, I remember feeling like this is the height of my life right now. Like, I'm doing commentary that nobody's ever going to hear on this indie show with these nobody wrestlers that aren't even wrestling in 2019 anymore. This is the pinnacle of my life. That's how I was feeling. And, and honestly, like, to this day, I, I remember, like, I can tell you right now that if nothing else ever came of it, I went back to my regular life, I, it wouldn't have been great, but I would have been able to have been like, I did that once. And, um, and, and that was really what it is. So I did this thing, and I guess I made a good impression. 
and this dude that ran like a um, like a little like YouTube taping gimmick out of a wrestling school was like, hey, I need someone to do this every Wednesday night for these tapings I'm doing. Do you want to come do it? And I was like, yep. And I went and I did that every single Wednesday for a couple months. And then that guy introduced me to another guy, and then that guy introduced me to It's all about networking, and I made my official ring announcing debut in February of 2017. It was my first time in front of a real crowd. And um, and since then, I've worked over 250 shows for 55, 56 companies in 18 states and three countries. So really, it's just a matter of, just to those podcasters out there, people, like literally everyone, like we all do this because we want to be involved in the business to some degree. If you want to be involved with it, as much as I am, you show up, look presentable, shave, dress nicely, and, and like, yes, sir, no ma'am, don't get hot at stupid things. And, you know, the opportunities present themselves when you're there often enough. I've seen it happen time and again. Uh, the high spot spot tap guys out of the third, they're doing commentary for like wrestler clad and stuff now because they were in the right place at the right time. I tell people all the time, it happens, it's just a matter of how you present yourself. Well, it's it's funny that you you said that and like because when you said that you were there and and you just kind of stood back, you literally described our night last Friday night. Like that's exactly how we felt. We walked in the door and 2 hours early before doors and we're standing there and we see Joey Ryan standing there, cheeseburger. We see all these guys that we see on all the independent shows and like we both look at each other and go, yeah, we don't belong here. Like this, this, we, we don't belong the same. And this is not obviously WWE guy. This is just, you know I mean, regular guys who are just working, wrestling and making money. But it, it's just that feeling. The second you said it, I could feel it. I could feel the feeling you were talking about instantly. And we felt it. And like you came up and introduced yourself to us. Um, one of the refs came up. A, a couple different wrestlers. Cheeseburger came over. It was... And once that happened, it seemed to loosen us up and be like, okay, we do belong here. We're not outsiders looking in. We're a part of the show. We're, we belong here. And it's just, it's so funny that <laughs> you nailed it all the way because we felt the exact same way. And, you know, it's like I, I was really fortunate because I went to like two or three events and then like I got really lucky really quick. But I know guys that like, you know, they, they start as, like, this is the coolest name is uh, Shocking Woodward. I make fun of him all the time. He's got this, like, YouTube podcast. I don't know what it is. No one watches it. It's called Doc Talk. And, like, this kid showed up to all these events to, like, do interviews or whatever. And, like, lo and behold, he's connected eventually. And now he's the ring announcer from Matt Tremont's uh, Monday night shows at uh, the H2O factory. So, yeah. like... He's, an, he's another example of, like, come and help with the ring. It's like, oh, I don't know how to help with the ring. You know how to carry a piece of wood without dropping it, don't you, dummy? Like, <laughs> people are always like, I don't know how to put the ring up. Yeah, no one's asking you. No one's asking you to hook the ropes up. All right, dip kid. Like, you know that, like, giant staircase outside? You can carry that. No, before it doesn't have to. Thanks, great. Bye. <laughs> that was a cheap shot towards podcasters or not <laughs> i think that was more towards the dirt sheet writers right now, all of them all anyone that doesn't help anyone that does anyone that comes to the show again this is not you guys because you literally can't do anything at the factory everything is done when you get there and suddenly you open the door but like 
anyone that goes to an event like for free to quote unquote cover it, whatever that means, because you you guys understand, like to someone that could mean like, oh, I'm covering it for like High Times Magazine or the New York Times for you guys who have thousands of Twitter followers and stuff. But it could also be like, hey, I'm covering this for my YouTube channel with my nine followers. And that's like whatever. And if you're coming to a show free to quote unquote cover something and you're not helping in any way, you're not putting out chairs even, the fuck out of here. I'm not beat to even talk to you. You know what? That's like, that. I mean, as, as well as I thought you put it, that's kind of the point. I mean... You're there, you see people, like these people are, the wrestlers and the people that surround the the show are there to entertain you. And like, you're there to cover it, but you're also there to be entertained too, because at heart, we're all fans. And that's what yeah. we get, that's why we're here doing this. So to have the opportunity right in front of you to actually help out with the sport that you grew up loving or that you started to love again, I mean, it's a no brainer. I remember, dude, I remember the first day that, like, I, I, the first time I got into a ring was the first time I touched a ring. Like, I, I had an issue, like, I would never touch it, like, walking by to be, like, barricades or whatever. Like, I remember being inside of it and it just feeling so special. And I know it sounds, but, like, it means a lot to put up that fucking ring. Um, so, like, I don't, I, you hit the nail on the head, like, whatever, though. Let's stop burying podcasters in front of the Oh, you didn't you didn't know that that was also our modus operandi was to bury everyone else except for us. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We love everybody. So, um, gonna take a, a left turn, make a little Yui, and come back to uh, your Twitter page. And I saw something about the locker room detectives with yeah with uh, referee Chris Levin. Am I saying that right? Uh, Levin, yeah. Levin. Oh, damn accents. Now, where did this... I mean, you have the right letter. <laughs> yeah, damn it. Should have <laughs> just called him Kid Ref. Yeah, Kid Ref. <laughs> uh, where did this Where did this come up from? Like, whose who's brainchild is this? Um. So, when I first started... I don't know if it happened before I got to Chicago or what. Uh, Chris and I are pretty good friends. Uh, we just did some shows in the Midwest together. We drove up to Chicago together. Um, we're, we're pretty good friends, and we have the same kind of, like, ridiculous dumb sense of humor. And I, you know, I, I'm doing a series of seminars this, uh, this fall for a bunch of different promotions. And it's basically about social media and content creation. And my big thing, like I always tell people, like ABCC, always be creating content. Give people a reason to visit your pages and stuff. So Chris and I were just kind of spitballing dumb ideas one day. And I think it was him that came up with it. And I don't know if Locker Room Detectives was the official name or if that was just what we were calling it for lack of a better name. But yeah, it's just the two of us um, going around... Uh, solving mysteries and crimes and things. The first one is about us finding Bigfoot or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the whisper gets stung by bees. I know that's pretty, that's like everyone's favorite part of that one. And then um, the next one we've got is at a minor league baseball stadium in Allentown, Pennsylvania. That, that should be released next week. But we're having a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, it's cool for me to. Uh, to get that uh, that kid ref rub, you know what I mean? Like, you know, he is, uh, not only is he a, an impact wrestling official, uh, he's a Chikara official too, but he's also a, he's someone that's been in this business since I believe he was 16 years old. And, you know, um, I know you're probably thinking he is only 16, right? Mark? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I think Chris, I think he's like 27, 28, but He's been doing this, I mean, I've been doing this less than three years. He's been doing this, like, four times as long as me, at least. Um, so even though he's younger and smaller than me, I really look up to him, and I really enjoy doing the show with him. I feel like I learned a lot about performing hanging out with him. And you know what? I watched the uh, your first episode, and you can tell when you're kind of filming it that you're having fun, and it's, you get to show a different different side of your personality and it, you're able to really let loose. I mean, besides doing the wrestling thing, it's 
like this is something different. Well, that's like something that I um, that's like something I really love to do. Um, like in in wrestling is like anything that like oh look, um, I'm a ring announcer. As I said before, it's what I've always wanted to do. It's what I hope I get signed to do somewhere. But um, whenever I get to do things that aren't ring announcing, I really really enjoy it because I get to try other things out. Um, whether it be this or like. Uh, I, I was, uh, I got the, the chemistry of movie career recently, which was cool. And, uh, but, but even in wrestling, I, I, I play a heel character in Washington, D.C. at a promotion, and then up in, uh, up in New England. So, you know, um, yeah, like this, like anything that gets me a chance to show another side of my personality is, is, is always good. Um, because uh, otherwise it's just me standing in a ring talking into a microphone saying one fall, you know, and it really is. And, hope, and hoping that the crowd says it back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, did a, I did a show um, for a, a special meet uh, summer camp last week, and it was really cool. It was like in the, it was actually where Chris and I filmed the, the thing. It was this really neat camp. And, um, but like, being that it was like a special needs camp, but like special needs adults, uh, many of whom don't really pay attention to wrestling. Um, you know, some of them were, uh, handicapped to the point where they, you know, they got multiple nurses and stuff like that. It was the only time I worked an entire show, like, start to finish. And every time I said one fall, it was just deathly silent. And, uh, and Chris was next to me, said he was the referee for the entire show. And every time he was like, oh, man. Every time it's so quiet, and it was just it was haunting. Um, but yeah, that one fall that keeps me on track. But uh, yeah, but, but that kind of stuff is, is a lot of fun, and I, I hope to continue doing that thing with Chris. It's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, it's all part of uh, character development and giving someone or your fans just another reason to watch you. Yeah. Speaking of, I'm going to double back. Speaking of promotions, I was trying to segue, but <laughs> didn't work out that way. Now. All the promotions that you're a part of, which which do you hold nearest and dear to your heart? Which ones are the best, and maybe which ones have the best fans for different reasons? Um, you know, it it, it really it depends. And being that I've worked for so many, I'm sure I'll forget like one or two. Um, you know, there are the promotions where I started which would be nearest and dearest to my heart. You know, they're the promotions that gave me a chance before anyone else did, and that would be um, Paradise Valley Promotion in Connecticut. That's uh, Paul Roma's promotion. Um, you know, Battle Club Pro, which uh, Battle Club Pro might fill the criteria for all of them. It's, uh, you know, they, they gave me a chance before anyone else would. They're pretty high profile. They're on a several different streaming services. They bring in some of the best talent in the world. And the fans, like, they, they absolutely love me. So, um, you know, Battle Club Pro, Paradise Valley, uh, I, I feel like a jerk for not mentioning, like, um, every other promotion that I work for. is really cool because um, the fans of Chikara are just so loyal to the storyline. When I first came in, they were pretty apprehensive, like, you know, who, who the heck is this guy? Like, you know, this isn't the guy that we knew before. And um, pretty quickly they warmed up to me, and, you know, they were already chanting, you know, Hagger, which is really cool. Um, you know, as far as, like, and I got to say, I, I, I just debuted for this company this past weekend, and I'd be remiss if I didn't put them over right now, and they had uh, primetime wrestling, primetime pro wrestling, Washington, D.C. And what's really cool about this company is um, this, this show that I did this past weekend was the second independent wrestling event in Washington, D.C. in 15 years. Um, the first one was their debut show, The Fire, that I didn't have a chance to be on because I was otherwise. otherwise. Um, so, so that in itself is historic. And it is also the first show, first promotion, whatever, that I ever worked for that had a sell out at the gate ahead of time, meaning that like you could not buy more tickets. There were 400 plus people jammed in this place. And when I tell you they were screaming through the whole show, it was the craziest crowd I've ever encountered. And, you know, I mentioned before 
that I get to do some field work, and uh, I went out talking French, and, you know, they wouldn't let me get a word in edgewise, and I was, I immediately was just like, man, I, I want to come back here every month, this is great. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it really depends. It depends. And, and there's a lot of places that, like, one night will be really hot, the next so, uh, will, will be not so hot, so, uh, so who knows, man. Everywhere I work is pretty cool at first. Okay, so now <clears throat> you said that you wanted to get into wrestling and you were a fan, and you said that you wanted to be the ring announcer. What made you want to be the ring announcer compared to just wanting to be a wrestler? Um, was there certain announcers that you looked up to when you were younger? Um, so the reason I wanted to be an announcer, I, I, I tell people when they ask me that nowadays, like, if I was a kid now, like, when I, I got into wrestling, I was probably, like, 9, 10, 11 years old. Um, I know I gave you three different ages there, but, uh, <laughs> but like, like, around, like, third to fifth grade, I was really getting into it. So. And that was around, like, 95, 96. And Shawn Michaels is, was, will always be my favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, WrestleMania 12, I remember watching with my dad, um, that era of wrestling in 96 and 97, I hold very nearly. And, um, but I remember, like, like, if I was coming up now, okay, if I was that nine-year-old kid in 2019, I would probably want to be a wrestler. And the reason I say that now is because if you look at the TV right now, there's dudes like Bray Wyatt, right, and Kevin Owens, and a bunch of guys that aren't like these cut from stone bodybuilding. I was an overweight 10-year-old. I was this fat, unathletic 10-year-old. I remember having, like, bad skin, like we all did, you know, but I just, I I never played any sports or anything except for the ones that I was forced to play. Um, I, I, I just remember thinking that wrestling could not be for me. And as I said, like nowadays, like you can be uh, a little unathletic ten-year-old playing video games, like just like busting at the seams, and say to yourself, like, "Yeah, I'm going to be the WWE champion one day." And it's totally possible it can happen. And not only because WWE is changing, but because looking back on it, I realized that ten-year-olds are not eighteen-year-olds. I I was going <laughs> to change quite a bit, um, but but I remember always thinking that I couldn't be a wrestler, I had to do something else. And even back then, around 96, 97, managers were kind of fading away more and more. Uh, you saw one here and there, but not to the, the extent that you used to. And I remember thinking, re-announcing, that's for me. And even then, even then, my reasoning for wanting to be a ring-announcer is, is the same reason I prefer to ring-announce over to commentary now. And it's because when you do commentary on, a, on an event, unless it's streaming live, okay, unless it's being televised live, if it's just an independent wrestling event, you're barely on the show. You're just there. Who knows if anyone's ever going to hear it? You're just there. The crowd doesn't know who you are. You're just a football and a suit sitting at a table. You're barely on the show. And I knew that at 10 years old. I knew that if I wanted to be on the show, a part of the show, and not wrestle, ring announcing is what I needed to do. And and I I just always thought that way, and, and it also stemmed from my, I played with a lot of wrestling figures, did, like a lot of us did, and, and I would always announce them. And I would announce them, you asked me who I looked up to, um, when I was a kid, the only team in town was Howard Finkel. And I would announce all of them, just like him, you know, uh, you know, from San Antonio, Texas, weighing 225 pounds, the heartbreak hitch, Sean Michaels. Man, I hope I get to say that for real one day. Um, but, but that would be me with my action figures, and that's how I memorized where people were from and how much people weighed, and I understood the cadence. You say this, and you say that. You say coming down the aisle, sometimes you say approaching the ring, sometimes you say entering the ring, sometimes you say about to come down the aisle, but that's what I did, and it was Howard Finkel, uh, Tony Kimmel is my favorite ring announcer ever for two reasons. One, he said rated R, 
superstar. <laughs> and then, other reason that I love him is because at WrestleMania 19, he said that Lip Biscuit is the WWE's favorite band in the whole world. And I just love that kind of like confidence and certainty when saying such absurd things. Like, I love that. Um, and also, as a fan, I remember being in shows, as, like house shows and stuff. And Tony Chimmel would always help with the ring, and he would always take the time to talk to me, and like my friends and stuff. So that always meant a lot. So um, Tony Chimmel, Howard Finkel, they're my favorites of all time. And yeah, that's uh, that's why I want to see this. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far you popped Larry twice. You said Shawn Michaels was your favorite, and you just said rated R superstar, <laughs> and you, you popped him twice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> So now you you said you you said it in passing as you were uh, you were talking earlier, and you said you hope to be signed one day. Now, what do you hope the future holds? Signed anywhere in particular? Signed anywhere? Um, you know, so I get asked that question not every day, but so often that you could average it out to every day. You know. Uh, like, like three times every Sunday, too. Uh, but like, and and I don't, I don't, I don't dislike it because it's something that I like to be focused on. Because I have, I have friends that um, I, I have a very good friend. He's a great wrestler. He's going places. Um, I was riding with him last week, and he was basically saying, he's like, you know, I'm not even focused on getting. If I just find whatever, I'm just, I just want to wrestle. I just want to have fun, and that's cool for some people. For me personally, um, my focus is on my future. And um, right now, I am making a full-time living in professional wrestling. But to do that, I am working three to four events every single week and driving sometimes, as I said, as far as 1,600 miles. I'm also running a podcast network myself that has a bunch of different shows on it that I just, I don't say upload their own stuff, but I own it and I have to deal with all that. Um, I also sell my t-shirts. I, you know, I, I have merch at my show. The point is, to do this full time for me right now is a hustle. It's something I have to dedicate all my time to. It's why I'm always creating content. It's why... If you're on my Twitter, you're going to see something new every six hours. If you're on my Instagram, you're going to see something new every day, but not more than once a day. Very, very important. Come to my seminar, September 29th. That's the Frank Dojo, guys. Very important for social media. But the point is, um, you know, my goal is to make a full-time living in this business, but not hustle as much as I am right now. Make a full-time living in this business and be able to, like, you know, work the weekends and then have a social life. That would be nice. Haven't had one of those in a while. <laughs> it would be nice to go on a vacation. It would be nice. Man, I love Disney World. They got that new Star Wars gimmick there. I would love to see that, man. You know the last time I've been to a movie? I don't. I really don't know. You know the last time I've been to a wedding? I do the last time I've attended someone's birthday or, or anything like that. You know how many people have my relatives that died and I've just not gone to their funeral? Like, that is something, those are all things that I've just given up, and it's important, and I know that it sounds like a joke, but when I started in this business, my mentor, the guy that broke me into this business, Robbie E., Rob Strauss, he told me, he said to me, he goes, Mark, if you want to pursue this 100%, you're done with weddings, you're done with birthdays, you're done with all those things, you're done hanging out with your friends, you're pursuing this 100%, you're going to lose money. But if you dedicate yourself to this 100%, you're going to make it. And you know what? He was right. But I would like to get to the point now where, as I said, I'm not waiting for fucking morning to upload podcasts. And I'm not, like, shipping out T-shirt orders all the time. Um, I would like to get signed. And you ask anyone in particular, look, um, I want, if I'm being realistic, I don't know that Ring of Honor or Impact um, are giving out full-time contracts to ring announcers right now. I just don't. Um, I believe Ring of Honor still uses Bobby Cruz on a full-time basis, and, uh, you know, Impact seems to be handing out full-time contracts to announcers, so it would seem that the only alternative 
alternatives for me in that regard would be AEW and WWE. And AEW seems to have at least 45 announcers on their payroll already. Um, It's bonkers how many people work there already. Um, You know, it really isn't important to me who I sign to, but I'll tell you right now, I didn't grow up watching AEW. I didn't grow up watching Ring of Honor. I didn't grow up watching Impact Wrestling. I grew up watching the WWF, and now the WWF is known as WWE. So in a perfect world, I'd like to get signed to the company that I grew up watching. Because that would mean a lot to me, it would mean a lot to my family, it would mean a lot to, in regards to everything I've been pursuing this whole time. But at the end of the day, whoever wants to give me a full-time salary is who I want to work for. You know, it's refreshing to hear that too, because, I mean, I'm sure you know the wrestling world today is in an uproar with competition and all that, but, I mean, it's nice to hear that the WWE is still has a special place in a lot of people's hearts because sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Well, you know, I hear all the time, you know, people do it. Like, I'm not an idiot. Like, I, I'm not blind to what happens in the world. Like, I hear, like, uh, John Moxley talk about what a nightmare it was to work there. You know, you heard all the stuff CM Punk would say. All these people that leave WWE and, you know, I have people that, um, you know, if my boyfriend asks me questions about it, he's like, like, you know, don't you do these things and get worried? And it's like, I don't know if worried is the right word. Um, I feel like different strokes for different folks. All I know is that I can't judge that situation going on there until I experience it myself. Um, and then people ask me all the time, they're like, oh, well, what about, like, you know, the, the Trump of it all and the Saudi Arabia of it all? And it's like, look, am I happy about all that? No. But at the end of the day, I didn't get into wrestling to play politics. I got into wrestling to get out of politics. So I'm going to just talk about the wrestling of it all. I like that as a tagline. Mm -hmm. That was pretty good. You're smooth. (laughs) So (laughs) to wrap up this phenomenal interview, I had a couple of personal questions. And they relate to the same topic. So, how hard was it to grow that mustache? Um, I don't know if it's hard. Uh, so, I, I was just lazy in December of 2017, I want to say. And I grew a beard. And I was rocking a pretty, pretty dope beard for like three months. And then I was shaving for a show and like I, I, you know, like I was shaping it up like along like my jawline and I nicked it down and I was like, fuck, I fucked up my beard. And then I was like, well, you know what, help, like, like this is how, this is how I developed my signature look. Literally by saying, wouldn't it be funny if, um, <laughs> I literally said, help, wouldn't it be funny if I had a mustache? How goofy would that be? People will think I'm so weird. So I shaved it into the mustache for one show, and I got a bunch of, like, compliments on it. Like, some severe, some not. And, um, you know, the, the thing with doing what I do is, like, I, if I don't want to, like I said, I'm doing a lot of hustling and stuff, but a lot of it's from, like, my apartment. Um, if I don't want to, I don't have to human beings for like five days at a time sometimes so like I remember like oh you know what I got some compliments on it let's give it till next weekend see if it goes in and and like it was just going fuller and fuller and it just got out of hand I used to have a man fun too the combination was appalling I am just so happy I had the foresight to get rid of that (laughs) you picked the right thing to get rid of yes always keep a mustache yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, dude. All the time, like, I, I'll have, like, the weirdo at a show that's, like, trying to, sh- like, chant to shave your mustache, fan. And then, like, inevitably, there will be other fans shutting it down, like, no, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> you also described, like, I'd say, like, 80% of men, after they're, while they're shaving their beard off, how many of them keep the mustache and take selfies in the mirror of just a mustache? Yes, absolutely. Go through 80% of men that can grow facial hair in the world, and that's how many people have 
mustache pictures on their phone. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I also think, like, for, for me, um, you know, I like I like to think I'm a pretty good announcer, but I definitely think the uh, distinguishing mustache helps people remember me. Um, Tommy Dreamer told me that I look like a 1920s baseball player. <laughs> like, he, he just walked up to me, turned his head, said that, and walked away. And I remember, like, I don't know if that's good or not. Um, <laughs> Tommy's big into baseball. So, uh, he's never booked me for House of Hardcore, so I guess it's not good. Um, yeah, there's a lot of politics going on there. I'll be seeing him in Voorhees, New Jersey, though, at Modern Vintage Wrestling on September 15th. I'm going to ask him about it. There you go. I like the plug. You yes. might as well keep going. Where else can we see you? And the mustache. Oh, dude, I've got, like, my... my I was telling... I don't know if I said this. It's so weird. Like, you know, you ever hang out with someone and hang out with someone right after? You're like, wait, did I tell you this or did I tell them this? <laughs> uh, uh, I was telling the other guys, I, I mentioned I was on podcasts before, and I don't believe it's the fact that it sucks. There's a buddy of mine. Uh, you know what I mean? I can, I can, I can make fun of him. Like, look, I've done plenty of podcasts that have not been good. I would never say it out loud. Um, <laughs> but uh, I um, I have not had a weekend off since 2017, and that is a record that I'm hoping to keep going. So, like, my schedule is always just packed, and, like, it, it's weird because I've got a lot of really big shows coming up. Um, I've got a huge intergender show in Brooklyn with uh, Battle Club Pro, which is going on in September. Um, I've got uh, I've got King of Trios, Chikara's annual uh, tournament event going on in Reading, Pennsylvania on October 456. Uh, I've got so much stuff. I've got things in July of 2020 at this point, but to tell you where I'll be in the immediate future, this weekend I've got uh, Texas French Wrestling in Nagatuck, Connecticut. On Saturday, on Sunday, I've got Wrestlers Laboratory in Richfield Park, New Jersey. Uh, and then next week, I've got a really busy week. It's uh, Chikara in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, World of Hurt Wrestling in Whitehall, New York. Uh, Paradise Valley Pro Wrestling in East Haven, Connecticut. And Capital Wrestling in Nashville, Tennessee. It's going uh, to be a fun week or two. But, um, yeah, if people want to follow me on uh, social media, though, that's probably the best way to keep up with where I am. At Mark A. Haggerty, that's uh, Twitter and Instagram. Didn't even have to ask him. He was already prompted. Yep. Perfect. (laughs) So, Mark, we want to thank you so much for for coming on and sharing your story into the world of wrestling and telling us some things that we a lot of people probably didn't know of what to look for if you're trying to get in. Yeah, man. Well, no, thank you guys very much for having me. Uh, It was a pleasure meeting you uh, at the Pro Wrestling Explosion event. should probably plug uh, their next right which i think is august 30th yes friday august 30th at the Aruba club in philadelphia um i want to say because i feel like i'd be remiss if i didn't put them over strong because that's where we all met like mm-hmm. explosion is one of those companies that i have like a heartfelt attachment to because that's where mike quackenbush from japan found me and it's like some big stuff for me um eric viking and pwe brings in massively large talent at Inter Castro. We had Joey Ryan there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always have big stars there and PWE is I mean they had a special death match. We we just have silly times as aliens and uh, I encourage people if you're in Philadelphia, if you love wrestling, but you also like if you love wrestling but you don't take it too seriously and you just like wouldn't it be wrestling? Wouldn't it be cool if wrestling was fun again? <laughs> then come out for wrestling explosion on August thirtieth at the Rubber Club in Philadelphia. It's gonna be a great time. I hope these guys are gonna be there to We will be there, and you said you'll be there as well. Dude, I, I can't get away from Eric Wright. He could save my life. Good. Maybe we'll have a T-shirt for you. <laughs> wink, wink. I will gladly take it. I love T-shirts. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We'll look forward to seeing you August thirtieth. All right, guys. Have a good night. You too. You too. And there you have it. Mark Adam Haggerty with some <clears throat> tips and some inside scoops to how you might be able to get into the wrestling industry. 
in an unorthodox fashion, if that's something like, look, all you got to do is participate. If you're going to the show, you're, you're in our shoes. If you're in his shoes and you're going there to, to cover the show, lend a hand. Yeah. That's one thing I like, if there was just a couple people putting the rain together and everyone else sitting there, I would without even hesitation be like, Hey, need help? Like, can I help put the, like, I couldn't even imagine. Being like, yeah, go, like, go ahead, come carry some, <laughs> carry some stairs, carry some wood. Like, hell yeah, would do that. Here, That'd be carry great. Carry this piece of wood. You got a phenomenal <laughs> voice. Would you like to announce? Well, <laughs> well, I think I would. Let me just put on my announcer voice right now, and I will tell you, yay, yes. I think we all know it's in my future. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a good burrito. That's what's in my future. <laughs> Yeah, that was um, that was a lot of fun, and uh, I like a lot of the things he was saying about coming up and and going through the different things that he went through in wrestling and the different promotion stuff. You, obviously, you don't know a lot of people's story when you just see them at an event, and yeah. it's cool to be able to talk to people like Mark um, and just a different point of view. You different know what I mean? Pers- talk, Talking, I'm sorry, talking to independent wrestlers is one thing, but then you talk to a guy like Mark who just is something completely different than what we're used to. Yeah, it's good to get a perspective on, like, you know, a wrestler goes to wrestling school, they somehow make their way to an independent show, they try to work their way up from there. I mean, this is a completely different outlook. This was someone that loved wrestling as a kid and somehow after college and different odds and end jobs, being in politics... I mean, switching over to the wrestling industry, doing something that you love, and finding a way to make it happen. I mean, it's a success story in itself. Yeah. And now you get all the cool stories about how you're booked up every weekend. You're doing three to four shows a week. I mean, yeah, you got to put in the grind. But now is probably, if you were to ask some of the the top guys in the industry, like now is as good a time as ever to, to be in this in this industry because the opportunities are there. There's not just one game in town anymore. There's many that are on the rise in the independence, and there's one now, possibly two, at the very top. Yes. Yeah. Who, like Mark said, are handing out contracts left and right. There's so many people that have just signed. It's almost like get them before someone else does. Exactly. Oh, you got some yeah. talent? Let me take you. Let me yeah. take you. Scoops. It's like you're picking teams mm-hmm. for. I, I don't know kickball in the in the uh, in the old uh, recess yard. You just don't want to be the last pick. No, not at all. You don't want to be the Ellsworth. No, <laughs> motherfucker, that guy was picked before a lot of people. What the hell did they see in him? Yeah, that... you're telling me you're gonna pick a kickball team and he's gonna be your fucking third pick? What is he? Do? He's just there as a distraction at this point. He's the guy that's fucking mooning you on the first baseline, trying to get you to strike out. That's Ellsworth. How, the, how we got on James Ellsworth, I have no idea, but... It's okay, man. We got to somehow make it our show. We did an interview, now we got we to gotta hone our craft and make it ours. And that's the only way I know how, is obscure references and... Derailing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't be us. So, uh, we hope you enjoyed the interview. Um, and uh, I know we did. It was a lot of fun, and we thank Mark for uh, taking the time out. And, um, I mean, yeah, that's about does it. 101. Yes. In the books. Later.